Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. Fantastic. Well, this is our fourth week in um, our Proving God series. And this morning I want to, I want to preach on the, the favor flavor. Or the favor, the flavor, favor. Favor, flavor, flavor, favor, flavor. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know, um, food is one of those things which there's nothing like food which defines uh, nationality. Uh, there's nothing like food which defines friendship. Uh, and it's the way that the things that we eat, the way we eat together is what kind of draws us together and makes us friends. Um, uh, it's, it, food is, is an unusual thing. It's, 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 you would think on, a, on an intellectual level, food is just about sustaining your life. But actually, that's probably the least that food does. Uh, and the tragedy of people's lives is that when only they eat to fulfill hunger, then they're missing out on the benefit of what food is really for. Um, because food is actually for fellowship. Food is for friendship. Food is for kind of understanding each other and understanding the food that we eat. And, and you know, I, I always like about, what I like about food is, is tasting new things. Uh, some people I meet, um, they kind of, they're just locked into a certain group of foods that they're going to eat. And uh, uh, when uh, Jonathan, my nephew, um, was baptized uh, here in the church, uh, my brother came up and his family and, and Jonathan's grandparents, who, who I've known since, I've known Jonathan's grandparents um, since before um, my brother and his, uh, and his wife got married. In fact, um, Jonathan's mum, Claire, was in the year below me at school. And uh, so I've known, and I've known her parents for many years since I was 16. And uh, so they came up for the, for the baptism and, I, and we were having a meal with them and, and uh, we were wondering, because you know, they're, they're now sort of elderly and, and uh, we were wondering how they were sort of going to cope and, and they have this thing, he, Jonathan's granddad, he just wants fish and chips and, uh, and he doesn't want any of this fancy new food and nothing with garlic or spice or and uh and it's just like it's like you know he's lived his entire life like this and uh, he, he sees no reason to change and uh but but what i like about sort of food is the fact that you can get out and you can get into other countries and you can be offered something and i think that i would be willing to pretty much eat anything um uh, i know that sounds like a challenge that people are willing i think i would struggle to eat the brains out of a monkey head but but I've heard that people do, and I think if I were in the right company, I would. <laughs> but, you know, I probably wouldn't make it part of my main diet, you know. Uh, it, monkey heads are probably quite difficult to come by, and, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's like, you know, how do you cook it? Uh, and so, <laughs> maybe raw, it's probably raw. And, uh, but, you know, there are many different foods. You know, one of the... Uh, the things that Cheryl and I love to do is we love to have people around. If you've never been around to our house, come and give us your name and uh, we'll, we'll book you in for a meal. And uh, we, we love having people around for meals. And, and Cheryl cooks um, lamb 
like it's just yeah she cooks lamb <laughs> that's my cup the bag <laughs> he loves the lamb and uh, she cooks lamb like it's just I mean Cheryl cooks lamb I mean it's just mm. she cooks lots of food but, but lamb is her piece de la resistance it's like uh, it's like the finest meal and, and uh, but the funny thing is not everyone likes lamb and uh, how many people here don't like lamb? And there are many people here. See, there's a few people here that don't like lamb. But the thing is, this is your problem. See, Martha at the back there says she didn't like lamb until she came to our house. And this is a common story. A lot of people go, oh, we don't, yeah, but try this lamb. Oh, I didn't know it tastes like that. <laughs> and here's the thing about that food is you have a perception of, of what it tastes like, perhaps based on a, a previous experience. Um, of badly cooked food and, uh, or food cooked in a way that, that just um, uh, maybe sort of caused you some kind of trauma and uh, I remember as a child we used to ha- my mum used to buy you've got to sort of feed a large family cheaply she would buy a pig's head how many families here were brought up on pig's heads and uh, not, not many but uh, dad we would get a pig's head and we always knew when it was pig's head because come dinner time my dad would he would just sit there at the mill table and suddenly he would produce a couple of pig's ears and he'd put them on his head <laughs> and those were, the, those were the bits that we didn't eat everything else was eaten and uh, the, the thing actually yeah monkey brace because I've eaten pig's brain and pig's brain is actually part of a, a food that you can eat and it, I, by memory it wasn't pleasant and uh, and so I've got a thing about but perhaps it just wasn't cooked well. Um, but I remember Brian and Ruth, they came over for dinner and, and uh, Ruth is one of those uh, people that doesn't like lamb. And so we had maybe about eight people for dinner that day and we got this big leg of lamb. And, uh, but Cheryl cooked Ruth chicken uh, because the rest of us uh, uh, have the lamb. And uh, whoa, I'm in the light. <laughs> Ah, so <laughs> you gotta, what are they doing it's Bethany she, she just want to puts me in the light and uh, so <laughs> so Cheryl cooks this lamb and she cooks it in, in she cooks it in red wine uh, it's, it's, uh, she ha- it has like a, a, a raspberry jam which is laid across the top and then, and then overlaid that is rosemary uh, and then it's cooked for about six hours in a very low heat oven. And it just sits and it has to cook in a cast iron pot. And uh, I'm disappearing on stage and coming back and way, here I am again. And, uh, and she cooks this lamb and, and it's just delicious. And, and, uh, but Ruth didn't have lamb, she had chicken. And uh, so, so Cheryl cooked her as a special roast chicken. So we're all got lamb and Cheryl's, uh, Ruth is presented with this with this chicken and uh, because she doesn't like lamb and she probably doesn't like lamb because of a, a traumatic childhood experience. I mean, she comes from the islands, right? And uh, she's not here to defend herself, so we can bad name her all the way. And uh, so, but she comes from the islands and probably on the islands, they, they probably slaughter the lamb in front of you. I don't know. They probably take it and they just bleed it in front of it and then they smear the blood on the children's forehead as part of it. <laughs> initiation the men gather around and drink the blood from with the sheep's milk and and uh, you can understand why it would be so and then they would probably hang it for three weeks and wait till it's come back to life again and that's why it tasted vile and and from that experience she's like I don't like lamb but 
here's the thing, we were eating, she's eating chicken, we're eating lamb, and she leans across and she goes to Brian, who's going, oh, this is good. She can't, she's like, oh, maybe it is. So she leans across and she has a bit of meat, she goes, oh, I like that lamb. <laughs> it's, it's amazing how the perception changed. You know, the Bible says in, in uh, you were wondering when I was going to get to the Bible, weren't you? The Bible says in Psalms 34 and verse 7, I'm reading from the NLT guys at the back, um, Psalm 34 verse 7, it says, Now, for the angel of the Lord is a guard, he surrounds and defends all who fear him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his godly people, for those who fear him will have all they need. Now, this is an incredible verse that gives us an insight in how we can intellectually experience God. And what I mean by that is there is a there is a there is a theme that runs through the Word of God that encourages us to know God in different ways. And one of those ways in knowing Him is to know Him by experience, not just by the intellectual calculation of word. Are you understanding? See, you, you've got to engage your brain. You've got to understand. You've got to engage. It's not about, we often say things, don't think, just trust. We use that a lot. And there is a, there is a, there is a sort of a, there's a truth in that. But if you don't think, then the chances are you're, you're not going to be thinking and you'll probably do something daft. Does that make sense? You, you'd be silly if you don't think. You, you've got to think. The, the Bible makes sense. God makes sense because he, he is truth. But you can't just intellectually, without experience, know God. You've got to know Him fully. And it's no good explaining the flavor of a food if you haven't tasted it. You don't know what it tastes like. I remember being at at home and, uh, you know, I know I sound old, right? But in the sort of 70s and stuff, foods like garlic and stuff, it wasn't widely used. Certainly not in my childhood, in our sort of family and, and friends, etc. It's sort of garlic. Oh, it's a bit French, isn't it? It's like, it's, it's a bit European. And uh, so, you know, and, and so garlic. And so I remember, and I remember sort of tasting garlic for the first And it's like, oh, I could just eat whole cloves of garlic. I love garlic. And so here we are. But I remember Cheryl's brother sitting around the moon and tasting garlic. And he'd never tasted it before. And you could see he was just disgusted by the idea of it. And so he gets, and he gets like this crumb. And you would need a magnifying glass to see the crumb. And he, puts it, and he just sort of puts his mouth into his little purse. Kind of like, it's like he's about to be poisoned. And he... And you just put the tip, and he puts it, and before he's even tasted it, which you couldn't taste anyway because it's too small, he goes, oh, that's disgusting. And that was his definition. He'd already decided he didn't like it, based on what other people have said, maybe based on the aroma that it produces, and he decided he didn't like it because he said he didn't like it. But you can't decide you don't like something if you, if you haven't tasted it. And once you taste something, see, taste is not just about flavor for food it's about perception it's about understanding God says taste and see in other words once you've tasted God you understand him in a way that otherwise you wouldn't have understood him if you were just trying to intellectually work him out you know here's a thing about taste 
and flavour. What happens is, in, in life, is that we go through all kinds of traumas. And we go through all kinds of pressures. And when you go through pressure, here's the thing. Your brain doesn't work properly. Have you know what I'm talking about here? When you get, when you get stressed, you can't think in a manner that normally necessarily produces good results. How many of you have gotten angry at times and said something you wished you hadn't said? When you were calm, you were gone, I wouldn't have said that, but I was angry, and so I did. What was going on? Your brain wasn't working properly because you were under pressure. You see, when we, when we have under pressure, we've got to understand that God is still true and God hasn't changed, and so we've got to have an understanding of God that is greater than our intellect of its own, on its own, can process. And so the Bible says, come and taste and see. Understand Him. You know, I've found this, that there are moments in my life when, when you know, I'm not thinking properly, right? And one of those things, I've got this, I'm famous for losing two things. My phone, only two. Phone and wallet and uh, shut up Moses and uh, <laughs> you're ruining my message <laughs> alright three things glasses <laughs> in fact I have completely I had two pairs of glasses uh, I know one of them's in a restaurant somewhere and somebody else is now wearing them and uh, um, and so my phone now phone is easily found right because you just phone it so when you lost your phone, you phone your phone, and eventually you find it. You can hear it buzzing. It's normally on silent, but it's going me, and you're like, "Where is it? Is it upstairs? Is it? No, 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 no. It's over here." And you dig around, and it's slipped down the sofa, or it's gone somewhere. You've put it somewhere. You didn't realise where you put it. But your wallet, you can't phone your wallet, and that's really annoying. And I don't know what it is about my wallet. My wallet has the ability to travel. And it can just go places. It kind of, I come in, I always put it in the same place, but it always ends up somewhere else. And, and I, al- I always lose my work. But here's the thing I found. The more I need to find it, the less I can see it. Yeah. And here's the thing about it. The, the, more, the, less you can, the less you can think properly, the less you can see properly. You can't, when you're under pressure, you can't see the circumstances in life like you would normally see it. The Bible says, taste and see. In other words, when you experience, when you've tasted the things of God, you get a perception and understanding of Him in a way that you wouldn't otherwise understand. If you haven't understood Him, if you haven't perceived Him in that manner, and you know, here's a thing that we need to do. We need to get into a place where we experience See, tasting is purely an experiential thing which invigorates your mind and opens up your intellect and leads you into a revelation and an understanding of God that otherwise you wouldn't have. Here's the thing. Here's, and you may be saying, well, how do I taste God? See, God isn't actually on the menu. It's not like we're coming up, how would you like him today? And... Uh, and so he isn't on the menu, but he is on the menu of our life. We are here to experience him in our everyday. So how, how do you taste God? Well, I want to tell you, when, when you worship on your own 
and you sing out loud, louder than is that, louder than is polite. You're in the car and you've got worship on you, and you're just singing at the top of your voice. I'm telling you, at that moment, you're tasting God because you're experiencing Him in a way that's kind of just is breaking the boundaries of of normal every day. When you begin to pray, and as you pray, you begin to declare to God, and you begin to worship. God and as you begin to pray but you pray maybe you pray just a little differently and you you don't just you're not just quiet but you break out of that zone and you experience God in a way that you wouldn't otherwise experience you're tasting God when you begin to experience him and just put yourself in a place where you're beginning to understand that God is there for your life in every circumstance and you're you're deciding that you're not just going through the motions but you are pushing yourself into a place where you understand that he is there and this is a personal relationship with God taste and see and i want you to understand that you can taste God it says in jeremiah chapter 31 and we're going to read from verse 8 in jeremiah chapter uh, Jeremiah, the, the sort of latter chapters of Jeremiah, they're filled with all kinds of hope. You know, the, the, um, the prophet sort of chapters of the Old Testament, um, they, they can be quite severe reading, can't they? Quite, you know, Israel, you know, you're cursed, you're bad, you're wicked. And, and it, you know, it's, you sort of go through that and it goes through the sin of Israel. I know the Jews kind of, they, they, they say it's all very well for you guys, but our history is kind of written out. It's like... It, it's like our sort of our underwear is exposed for everyone to see. It's like it's personal, isn't it? And this is the history of Israel. And, and but here's his chapter thirty. Jeremiah thirty-one is is one of those beautiful chapters where it talks about the redemption of Israel and the hope for Israel. And in verse eight, it says, "For I will bring them from the north and from the distant corners of the earth. I will not forget the blind and the lame, the expectant mothers and the women in labour. A great company will return." Tears of joy will stream down their faces and I will lead them home with great care. They will walk beside quiet streams and on smooth paths where they will not stumble for I am Israel's father and Ephraim is my oldest child. Listen to this message from the Lord, you nations of the world. Proclaim it in distant coastlands. The Lord who scattered his people will gather them and watch over them as a shepherd does his flock. For the Lord has redeemed Israel from those too strong for them. They will come home and sing songs of joy on the heights of Jerusalem. They will be radiant because of the Lord's good gifts. The abundant crops of grain, new wine and olive oil. For the healthy flocks and herds, their life will be like a watered garden and all their sorrows will be gone. The young women will dance for joy and the, old, and the men, old and young, will join in the celebration. I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and exchange their sorrow for rejoicing. Their priests will enjoy abundance and my people will feast on my good gifts. I, the Lord, have spoken. And here's an incredible thing. We spend our life trying to trying to get sort of reason in our mind and trying to, he doesn't say that my people will, will sit and, and try and calculate how good God is. It says no, they will just simply feast on the good things that God has done for us. And here's one of the things that proves that God is God in our lives, that God is evident in our lives, is that we feast on the good things that God has done for us. 
And how do you taste God? You taste Him by tasting what He has done for us. In other words, you live in the fullness. You give yourself to the fullness of the experience of life. Rather than allowing yourself to be constrained, you give yourself in fullness. And you go, I am going to experience the fullness of God. I've had people, some people say to me, and they say, you know, you, you pray out loud, but, but I, I, I'm very quiet and, and I just pray in my mind and that's okay. And, you, and you, I want to tell you something, that is okay. You can pray in your mind, but it's not like praying out loud. And if you, if you haven't discovered what praying out loud is, it, it's, it's like having not discovered what eating Cheryl's lamb is like. It's, you can say, but I don't eat lamb. That's fine, you won't die without eating Cheryl's lamb. But you're missing out. You're just missing out. You're not tasting something, which is awesome. I I, I want you to understand. You're all kind of salivating now. You're thinking, I like lamb and I want to come around for dinner. (laughs) We're going to have to buy a lot of lamb. I'm just going to speak to Chris and say, put some lamb in our garden. (laughs) We'll have them lining up for the slaughter. (laughs) We'll do the whole smearing. No. And uh, so... (laughs) Everybody <laughs> an amazing party. And <laughs> but here's the thing, if you if you want to taste him, you have to give yourself to the fullness of what God has got for your life. Calvin, John Calvin is a theologian uh, who uh, back in the uh, Middle Ages who uh, formed a Christian community in Switzerland. And uh, he is famous for saying, sort of creating many doctrines that are, have stood um, and, until today. And, and, but one of those things he said was, God created the whole of the earth and all of its fullness. He created it for us to enjoy. We have to understand that all of life is to be enjoyed. Create, creation is to be Enjoyed Life is to be enjoyed. The benefits of life is to be enjoyed. But you see, a lot of people live in the poverty, the restriction, and going, I, I'm not sure I like that. But I want you to understand that, that God wants you to break out of your fear and start tasting God, and you will understand Him in a greater way than you have ever understood Him before. It's time to step out of that place. It says here that... That um, we need to feast on God. It says in 1 Peter chapter 2. He says, so get rid of all evil behavior. So Peter is talking to the church and he's saying, listen. See, whatever you feast on, it, it is what you will become. There's a famous saying. It was coined in the, uh, it, was, it became famous in the 1940s by an, an American radio presenter who, who said this, uh, what... Um, what you eat is, uh, what does he say? Uh, what You are what you eat, that's it. <laughs> and uh, it was actually came from a French philosopher in the, in the 19th century, um, but it was kind of, it's been spoken of in many different, many different formats. But it's, there's this basic sort of uh, thinking that you are what you eat. Well, what you feast on is what you become. And if you feast on... If you feast on things which are unbelief, you will become unbelieving. If you feast on depression, then you will become depressed. I was walking down the road and I saw this elderly gentleman. I was trying to get a handle on 
what kind of personality he was. And because he, he had this sort of face that just looked, you know, his face was just down. And I was looking, I was trying to catch his eyes or whether that was just an unfortunate DNA <laughs> or, or whether there was a sparkle in his eye. And as he walked past, I think I caught this glint that it was like, no, he's actually, he's got that sort of doer kind of mischievousness that kind of, you know, he looks like he's miserable, but actually he's got a sparkle of life. And, and, but you know what? Some people, they just feast on negativity and they become negative and then they can't understand why everything is so miserable. And, and yet you can have somebody else living the same life with the same circumstances and they're overjoyed. Why? Because they're feasting on the good things that are around them rather than those things which are not. You can't prove God is God in your life unless you feast on Him. And you feast on the goodness that is around Him. And so Peter says, so get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, or... Um, an unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you'll grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment so that you, uh, now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. So here what Peter is saying, he's saying, listen, you've tasted God, come back and taste Him again. You've tasted Him, taste Him again. Find out, hunger for more, of the experience of God, not just the intellectual knowledge of Him. You know, you see, a healthy soul draws from the nourishment that it's fed on. That's a, that's a fact of life. I, I was listening um, to, I listen on Radio 4, I listen uh, to Woman's Hour. And uh, how many people here listen to Woman's Hour? And I'm, uh, oh, how, how sad. Right, okay. Judith, listen to I'm in good company. Uh, I feel like I'm probably like the odd one out here in this partnership. But I do listen to Women's Hour on Radio 4. Um, and um, it is filled with a lot of drivel a lot of the time. But it's intellectual drivel. And so it gets your brain kind of going and thinking. And you can't just dismiss stuff because you hear it. You've got to intellectually kind of understand it. But they were just describing the lady, the first lady who, who, who started Women's Hour back in the 1940s. And she just passed away just a few days short of her 100th birthday. And they played an interview of her um, age 94, and she was still working at that age. Uh, and uh, she was an incredible woman. They were just playing it. And I always find, I, I like listening to these people who live profound lives, who, who, who have, still in their 90s, are still making a difference, are still saying things, and, and, and intellect. And they were asking sort of what was the longevity. And she, she was basically saying, she was talking about the food they ate during the war, and, and, and she was talking about healthy f- eating, and how to nourish yourself, and how to get the best out of life and and here she was she wasn't i mean her her longevity who knows what causes long life right but but she was saying she fed on good food but probably actually what we really feed on is good thinking you know you might say you know it's often the cliche is you know what you watch um affects your life well it does um too much facebook will affect your life it affects your your kind of emotional state, too much, too much of all of those things. But really what we feast on is what we think. The background thinking, what you're thinking is what you really feast on. 
And it's that, it's that thinking of life and whether your thinking is healthy for your life. And I want you to understand that if you nourish on the things that God has done for you and you celebrate those things in your heart, you declare them out of your mouth, uh, declare them out of your mouth so that there is a there is a audible declaration. The Bible declares and tells us to declare God's praises. He, he didn't say think them in your head. He said shout them out from the mountain top. In other words, if you shout and declare, if you if there is comes out of your mouth a declaration, then there is a there is a shift that goes on in your heart. Last week, um, we witnessed the um, marriage of Daniel and Hattie. Um, They stood here and they made their vows um, together. Now, we all know that they got married because we heard them say it. They didn't just think it in their head. I I was sort of, now now think this. Will you, Daniel, (laughs) did you think it? Mm Mm-hmm. There would be no witness. We wouldn't say, well, we don't know what you were really thinking. There would be no witness of truth. And, and, and Hattie wouldn't have been able to know whether Daniel had made the commitment if, if he, she didn't hear him say it. And so there has to be... A, and saying something out loud is far more powerful than thinking it of itself. You can think and think, but once you declare it comes out of your mouth power is ensued and here's the thing you can think negativity but it's when you start speaking it out over your life that it begins to draw you down and put unhealth into your bones well I want to tell you something taste and see see when you taste God you see him differently and you begin to see life from a different perspective you begin to experience life and your perception of where your life is going begins to change you can, you can look at life from natural circumstances. We, a lot of this is a challenging financial uh, circumstances in the city. We were just discussing, some people were saying six, some people were saying 7,000 people made redundant in Aberdeen in this year alone. Well, that's challenging season, isn't it? That's a challenging time. But I've talked to the guys who've been in those circumstances and I've seen how they've positively stepped up. And if from a world's perspective, the world is going, this is terrible. But for those who love God are standing up and going, I know that my God has got something greater for me. And the declaration is having an impact on their life. It's having an impact on their hope, their future. And it literally changes the direction of life. Why? Because they are tasting God. They're seeing a different world. When you taste food that you like that you've never eaten before, it changes what is in your cupboard. (laughs) You start buying different food. You start tasting Go. oh, that's amazing. I've got to go out and buy that food. Where can I get it from? And, and so you begin, to, you begin to expand what you taste and your life changes. I want you to understand that we are here to experience God, the fullness of Him. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you've never really just given yourself to the full experience of God, then have the courage, even if it's just on your own. I've, we find, you know, I've had a... We've had a number of people come up to us and say, I don't speak in tongues. And I'm not sure I want to. You know, I I want you to understand that's okay. But I would love you to understand that it's not about this kind of weird babble. 
It's actually about tasting God. So that just, that's what it's about. Do you, know, do you know that Psalm 34 isn't about having a meal? It's about finding redemption. It's about finding that experience. The psalmist is saying, all hell is breaking loose. But if I can taste God, I can walk on a different path. I can experience a different life for everyone around. And I've known that some people have come to us and they've gone, I've heard you pray in tongues. I've heard you do that supernatural thing. And, I'm, and, and the, some people have come, a, a number of the students have come from different, and they've come and, and we've said this, and I can't tell you, it amazes me because God is the one who touches people's lives. And so many have come up to us afterwards and gone, you know when you prayed with me, and you know when we talked about it, well, I woke up in the morning praying in tongues. And I've heard that so many times. I woke up in the morning praying in tongues. Well, that's tasting God. That's a feast with God. But that's, that's a table for two. That's, that's a table for two. That's, that's candlelit breakfast. <laughs> that's a special romantic time with God when it's you and the Holy Spirit and you're feasting on Him in a way. There are, there are experiences that you can have with God which will draw your heart. It's not about weirdness. It's not about hype. It's not about kind of a, a, a corporate kind of thing. It's about you walking with the Holy Spirit, walking with God and knowing He is with you day to day on a personal experience, enriching your heart and bringing to you revelation and understanding. Because all of these things we do, we don't do them just because it sounds amazing. We do them because it builds up our inner man and brings understanding and revelation of the Word of God. It helps us become strong and it enables us to walk in a manner that otherwise we wouldn't be able to when, the, when the, uh, the times get hard and the wind begins to blow against us and we begin to struggle. I want you to understand, we're going to taste God this morning. Amen? Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.thejunctionchurch.com.